0: Hi, I'm Adrian Rovik. Welcome to a chat about a beautiful, fascinating place in the foothills of the Northern Drakensberg mountain range in KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa, Three Tree Hill Lodge. The visual focus is the large looming Spionkop hill where an awful battle took place between Boers and Brits on the 23rd to the 24th of January 1900. The surrounding area and beautiful, peaceful game reserve below make such a bloody encounter seem improbable. And if you turn and walk in the opposite direction, over the crest of the hill behind the lodge, the view is equally lovely. On this morning's game walk, owner Simon Blackburn had a surprise answer for me. Historically, visitors here came because of the battlefields in KwaZulu-Natal. I asked whether, with the passing of time and generations, interest in the history of the area had waned. His answer was no. Simon I think for anyone listening with an interest not necessarily in history but life your answer presented an interesting perspective.
1: Thanks Adrian. I hated history at school and for a long time after school I hated history and I, I had the misfortune I think of having history so appallingly taught to me at school but a couple of things happened that changed that It changed it for me. You know, Cheryl and I were looking to buy this lodge, which is primarily a a destination for history lovers. Um, And we looked at it and thought, gee, this place is absolutely beautiful, it's stunning, but I don't have the first interest in history um, whatsoever. And so we walked away from it. And then a little after that, uh, a a dear friend of my late mother's, Molly Blackburn, um, her name was Di Oliver. And she gave me a set of the David Rattray audio CDs. And I started listening to that. Uh, the, the, it's called "The Day of the Dead Moon." It's absolutely fascinating. He probably is one of the best storytellers that South Africa has ever had. maybe the world has ever seen. Uh, absolutely riveting. Now this happened at a time for me when w- we had two c- children uh, at that stage. They were about eight to nine years old. And when I became a father, which was a momentous occasion for me, I began to realize an important thing. At the same time, I was no longer seemingly immortal. For the first time in my life, I was worried about my children, and they meant everything to me. And as a result, this notion of immortality disappeared. And I think that happens with a lot of people who become parents. But you know, anyone who's been young male you do all sorts of idiotic and stupid things and most of you survive um and and this was me and all of a sudden i started wondering about my legacy what what people would think of me after i have gone and i started wondering about my my forefathers my forebearers what they had done and what their legacy was and the the life that they had lived in the victorian era for some of them and those before that even how, how they lived, what they did, how they grew up and what situations they were faced with and their successes and their loves and hates and all those things that, that drove them. And in the context of that, all of a sudden, this history that I was now listening to, David Ratray telling this incredible story of the Anglo-Zulu War, it became much more meaningful for me. And all of a sudden history became fascinating and ever since that time at the end of 2007 i've been reading and listening and watching as much as i can about south african history
0: and of course everything to do with the anglo-boer war i imagine that initially your main overseas market would have been people wanting to know more about their forebears and for the local market afrikaans or people of british descent that's on the historical side I also imagine a lot of people come here simply to unwind. It's so beautiful here.
1: So we, when we bought the lodge, um, our market was almost exclusively battlefield enthusiasts. And it was like, a, for quite some time, South African as well as British. And occasionally you'd have an American or a European who is interested in battlefield history that would come here as well and what we realized then although that was a nice market to be in it's a pretty small niche and it makes you as a as a business like ours a little lodge quite vulnerable so as a result we took the decision to try and broaden the audience try and broaden the market appeal for the guests that would come here and so we started uh, first of all changing our behavior a little bit while we still do now the battlefield tours We also offer other activities that will appeal to people who have no interest in battlefield tours at all, like mountain biking, um, horse trails. We've got about 30 kilometers of nature trails that you can guide yourself around. Um, we do other things too, like wine tasting. We've got an extensive uh, library called the Molly Blackburn Library, named in, in honor of my late mum and uh, at a huge wine cellar below the library for more than a 1,000 bottles of wine. So, uh, hopefully it's going to be a good investment for us. We'll wait and see. We do wine tastings with a collection of more than 30 craft gins that my wife rather carefully has hidden away from me now during this lockdown period. But she does does gin tastings here, which is a lot of fun uh, as well. And as a consequence, What we have found is that the appeal of the Lodge now is to a broader audience. We also offer activities for kids for example and our biggest growth has been in uh, British and European families traveling together. So family travel is something that's really picked up over the years and there is a
0: consensus that families that travel together stay together. I've been here before. I was here nine years ago and things were very different then and by that I mean it was full board in the twin bed cottages and there was one family cottage That model has changed, where you have added on fantastic self-catering cottages. And when I say cottages, small houses actually. I recall, specifically, driving in and there were lots of cars parked here, and they all had kids' bicycles and other people's bicycles strapped on the back. And you know what? The kids didn't touch them. They were running around with burnt sticks, either drawing with glowing light in the dark around the fire, drawing pictures in the air, or, or just running around with these sticks. They were doing what children are meant to be doing and just having fun as you said simon they free range around
2: here
1: yeah one of the one of our sort of usps is is that you you can come here and disconnect to reconnect so in one of our usps is we don't have wi-fi all over the place here and there's not not much connectivity the only place where you can come and connect is here in the library where we're sitting now but um the idea is that you you don't have kids uh, attached to and and bonded to their devices they run around and barefoot and they're in the felt and on the swings and uh walking the dogs and riding the horses and doing things that kids are supposed to be doing and not actually fixed to their devices
0: i have to say the battlefield story was very moving i wiped away a few tears hearing the human stories And I'm of Norwegian Extract, so neutral if you like, with no family connections to the events. And that was with you as a guide, Simon. Very impressive. And you've extended your range, as it were, because you now have a resident historian, Ron Gold, staying here at Three Tree Hill.
1: We're very lucky to have uh, Ron and his wife Sandy here. And Ron is, in my opinion, one of the best all-round battlefield guides in South Africa. And he guides not just the Anglo-Boer War, but Anglo-Zulu War, as well as all the conflicts that happened before and after that. Things like the Bombarder Rebellion, the, the, the Zulus fighting against the four trekkers here in 1838, and the Battle of Blood River, all those other interesting uh, conflicts, he covers those as well. We're very, very lucky to have him here as an awesome storyteller.
0: And people can find out just how good. You've got a series of YouTube videos featuring Ron that you put together.
1: Yes, I, I do. And you're right. We've got um, uh, a YouTube channel that's dedicated to Three Tree Hill, uh, and on that, you, if you just uh, search in YouTube for Ron Gold history talks, he's doing a series of ten talks as an introduction and a build-up to the Battle of Spion Each of them are fairly short, uh, about six or eight minutes long, but absolutely compelling. And uh, I urge you to have a look at those. You can download them. You can you can subscribe. Fascinating stories.
0: I'll backtrack to what I said earlier. It's hard to conceive that in such a peaceful valley, the worst or the most devastating battle for both sides in the Second Anglo-Boer War took place. Tell us more about that.
1: We look up to the massive of Spionkop, and right on top of Spionkop, the Battle of Spionkop was fought on the 24th of January, 1900. It would be the worst single day's battle for both the British and the Boers. They both had massive losses during the war, and for the British particularly, it would give them a taste of what the troops in the trenches would suffer in the First World War, that absolutely devastating conflict. The British had about 1,600 casualties in a single day's fight. In fact, they were fighting only for about 18 hours. The Boers had about 160 casualties, and that that sort of ratio of about seven to ten to one casualty of the Boers is about normal for most of the sort of pitched battles that the British and the Boers fought against each other in the South African War, or the Second Anglo-Boer War.
0: We've just been talking about Ron Gold, and here he is, just stepped into the library after guiding a group on the battlefield. Welcome Ron, good timing. Tell me, how did you become a renowned battlefield guide?
2: Thank you Adrian. Uh, um, That's a good question, you know. I think many of us stumble into this kind of a field by accident, and that's really my story. a, um, A lifelong interest in military history. Uh, led me to start visiting battlefields and people wanted to come with me and the uh, next thing, um, here I am. And the uh, the fascination is, is ongoing.
0: I was asking Simon about the people who usually visit the battlefields. But along with that, are the visits affected? Because colonial history isn't the most politically correct topic these days. What's your take?
2: The audience is predominantly international and of the international market it is probably 90% from the United Kingdom who still have... Uh, an ending fascination with the achievements and the non-achievements of the Victorians. Uh, Happily, we're getting more and more locals coming out. Um, Not as many Afrikaners as I would like. Uh, Maybe they do visit the battlefields with Afrikaans speaking guides. I rather hope they do. Because um, tremendous sacrifices were made by the early settlers, by the Boer people. and. They always made their sacrifices for the benefit of the generations to come. Uh, We can look back at some of the things that people did in history, and uh, there's an unfortunate tendency to make moral judgments today about what happened yesterday, and that's not particularly meaningful. History happened. Whether it should have happened that way or not, um, we can debate that endlessly, and I think I think it's more appropriate for people to come and see and hear. And if what you hear offends you, well that's fine. But at least you've seen and you now have a foundation on which to build your, uh, your judgments. You've been doing this a long time, Ron.
0: Do you think that visitors fully understand the driving forces behind what transpired? Or was it a jolly day out in the country? Or two or three, what with rocks Drift and Issa and Luwana, not far off? a romantic affair with the past
2: perhaps yes it's that's a good point you bring up because you know i think there is a tendency to to regard battlefields tours as a form of entertainment which is which is true um, uh, they are stories of daring do but the bottom line is really the horror of war and uh, and that's something that we do try to get across to balance things is that In past centuries, the um, nobility, who were generally the officer class, sold the populations on the concept of the nobility of war, of the splendor of the charge, and the opportunities for young officers to uh, obtain recognition and medals, etc. But the common cattle who slogged along through the mud, uh, it wasn't quite like that. And here at in particular, It was probably a battle that exploded once and for all, that myth of the glory of war.
0: There was no glory here. It was such a horrific encounter for both sides that at first both Boer and British forces thought they'd lost the day.
2: It was horrific and uh, it is possible that the first time the British public were exposed to the reality of battle, was when photographs taken by a French photographer traveling with the Boers. Now, a British um, photographer's correspondents, would never, ever have been permitted to take photographs like that. But that photograph was apparently published in French newspapers, some copies of which found their way across the channel. And suddenly, um, the, the Victorian matrons realized it wasn't about unmarked young officers being welp- welcomed into heaven by winged cherubs, um, it is about blood and gore and body parts and flies and and all the unpleasant things. Nothing new under the sun, or is it just that war's good for business? Nothing has changed. The other thing too, you know, is that you, you know you mentionedkop San Joana Rostraft. there are many other sites, you know, and at times like this, uh, local people, Africana people, um, shouldn't forget that there are many sites in this province directly linked to the Furekker Zulu period. not only the Battle of Blood River, which is quite well known, there are there other sites. And of course there was that, that um, amazing little war, so sometimes called the first Boer War, um, Transvaal War of Independence, if you want to split hairs, but um, only four battles were fought during that war, and three of those battles are all within the sight of one another in the northern part of this province and uh, what a weekend that is to to go up to Newcastle there's good accommodation there and hear those stories and visit those sites and climb Majuba the Battle of Majuba was in the words of the uh, Secretary for War of the time the most humiliating route in the long annals of the British military well maybe maybe not but it's a battle that took place at over seven thousand feet I'm not quite sure what that is in meters it's an incredible day out. It's an amazing walk, climb, a great story, and you can see forever. So, there's my commercial plug. <laughs> Ron, your YouTube videos. Tell us a bit more. Yeah, well, I think we as a, as a lodge community, if I can use that, um, decided to obviously uh, try to draw the attention of the um, traveling public to, to this lodge. And one of the things, one of the attractions is, of course, that we write in the heart of the South African War historical period. So the idea behind the, the video series is to um, hopefully get people to buy into it, to um, click on it and, and listen to the stories. And it's actually, it actually seems to be working because the sixth in the series, which we've been posting it every Saturday, and for technical reasons it hasn't gone up yet. And I, I'm getting queries from people saying, where's the sixth one? Now that's very encouraging because it tells me that at least somebody's watching it. <laughs> yeah, so it seems to be working. So we, we, we've we made six, we'll probably stop at 10. As Cheryl said, it's a nice round figure. And um, and then I'm going to start posting my own little um, shorter excerpts on YouTube on, on the Zulus, on the Zulu Nation. Uh, they're, they're marvelous uh, stories of the Zulus. It's myth and it's legend and it's, uh, it's highly entertaining.
0: Thanks Ron and thanks to Three Tree Hill owners Simon and Cheryl Blackburn. You can read more about Three Tree Hill Lodge and other fantastic destinations on GoWorldTravel.com